0: morning, church. Great to be here. Again, good to see all of you out this morning. And uh, again, it is a privilege to be able to open God's Word and uh, be able to preach and teach His Word. On the back of the bulletin is a sermon uh, outline our text, and uh, you can uh, turn there and follow along there, write some extra scriptures or thoughts. And also on the screen behind me is the outline also. Our text this morning is in Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 down through verse 11. And the theme of our message this morning is down at the potter's house. Down at the potter's house. Getting some kind of static here. Okay, if that keeps going, we'll, we'll shut it off. We'll see what happens. Jeremiah 18, 1 through 11. Reading from the New King James Bible. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel." The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to pluck it up, to pull it down, to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build it and to plan it, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit it. Now therefore, speak to the men of Judah, And to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning a disaster and devising a plan against you. Return now, everyone turn from his his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. And the passage goes on. As Jeremiah gets this word from the Lord. We see here that Jeremiah is told by the word of the Lord. Go on down to the potter's house. Check him out. Go watch him. Stand back. See what he's doing. And there he is. Maybe he has his robe on and he's standing there and he has a wheel or a spindle. And he's making it spin and go around, and he has a a chunk of clay on there. And he's working it and trying to make it into a vessel. And he sees that as he's making this vessel, if it's a, a cup, a bowl, a pitcher, whatever it may be, he sees that it's marred, it's messed up. It's not quite right. So maybe he smushes it together. Maybe he smashes it down on the ground and picks it back up. And he molds it, maybe he gets some more water on his hands, some more water on the clay, and he goes back to fashioning it into another object, or maybe the same object that he started to work in the beginning. And he said, listen, this is the word of the Lord to you. He says, talking about uh, the nation, when you look at the the primary application here of what God is telling Jeremiah to to tell the people. He's telling them that around 600 BC, Israel had drifted further and further from God. God broke them and gave them as a helpless nation to Babylon. Jeremiah thought that God may break his promise, but he is not a liar, and he will fulfill the promise through making another nation, spiritual Israel, the church. So we see here that he says that if I promise things and I'm going to build a nation and I'm going to do this for them and they repent and they do what's right, you're going to receive the promises and so forth that I'm I'm going to give you here. But if you don't do those things, then I'm going to relent and I'm going to cause, I'm going to pluck you up, I'm going to destroy you, I'm going to to bring you down. So that's the idea here of this potter. Now the real application if we could say, well Dave, what does this mean to us today? We're not Israel and so on and so forth, but there's principles, there's lessons that we can learn here today for us. The real application for today is now all these things happen to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. 1 Corinthians ten eleven. These things have been written back here in the prophets and in the scriptures of the Old Testament. Why? So that they can bring admonition. They can bring encouragement to us, to the ends of the ages, it says here. So suppose we too should go down here to the potter's house for some lessons today. It has not changed much from that day to this day today. Note the potter here. God has authority to make what he desires something of beauty or something of utility, just like a jar or a cup or a bowl or a pitcher, something of maybe honor, maybe something of of dishonor. God is interested in what he is making of the clay as if it was a a thing of art. He's watching it, keeping his eye on it. He's attentive here to the things that he's making. And remember, he, he finds a little mar. He finds some defect, something wrong with it. So he's going to reshape it and make it. God has the power to change a vessel into another vessel at his will. He's the creator. He's the planner. He's the maker. Let's look at point one. God is the potter. Job chapter 10 Verse 9 says, remember, I pray that you have made me like clay. And will you turn me into dust again? Hmm, you've made me like clay. You've made me like this clay that you, you're going to mold me or make me, Job saying to God. But are you going to put me back to the dust of the earth? You see, God's a creator. In the beginning, didn't he do what? He took from the dust of the earth and made clay, breathed his spirit into us, and we became a living soul, a living creature. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he's the clay, he's the creator, and he can mold us, he can shape us. And as, for example, we become a Christian, he can mold us and shape us and help us to learn and to grow and become the vessel that he wants us to be within the kingdom. And you know, not only that, he can take the person who's not the Christian because God's the the potter, and he can take and mold broken lives. Remember David, the psalmist, after he had sinned with Bathsheba. He says in Psalms 51, 5 through 11, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. You will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me. And I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Here David had sinned. He's praying. He's asking God to forgive him for what he's done. And he wants him to purge him and to wash him and to create a clean heart in him. And renew a steadfast, steadfast spirit. And he's asking him to not take his Holy Spirit from him. He wants to get back in good graces with God and do what's right. You see, he has the potter, the ability to to mold broken lives like David's. He has the ability to mold broken lives like you and I. God the potter, he can also mold broken hearts. If you jump down there in Psalms 51 to verse 17, he says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. You see, God wants us to get to that point where he can uh, change us. He wants us to be moldable and flexible. He doesn't want us to be hard and brittle and dried out and be like, ah, this isn't any good. Let's throw it over into the junk pile. No, he wants to be able to mold us and shape us and make us. And it's that contrite heart, it's that heart of repentance, that heart that wants to get right with God. He can mold those types of hearts. Note the clay. The clay has the capacity. If it yields to the potter to be what the potter desires it to be. The clay's relationship to the potter is to be molded. It's on the spindle, it's on the wheel. It it wants to be made into something. It doesn't want to just be a chunk of clay. No, it wants to be some type of vessel, something that can be usable, something that God can mold us into so that we're useful to him and to the kingdom and even to the world as we may go out and evangelize and try to bring others to Christ and help them accept the gospel. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see the clay's relationship to the potter here. Is to be molded. It must be moldable and flexible. Not some hard brittle thing that can't be molded. Secondly the potter has in mind a design and purpose. For every vessel. You see God whenever he sets out to mold us and to make us. He he has a plan for us. He wants us to become something. God, he knows that we exist. Matthew 6, 6 6-8 says, but you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do so they think that They will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask them. You see, God knows we exist. He knows when we go into that secret place and into our prayer closet. And when we're in there, because he's in that secret place and he's there. And he knows we exist. And he wants again to be able to mold us and to shape us. What do you need? He knows what we need. If we read a little further there in Matthew 6, 25-33, it says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet you, excuse me, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add a cubit to his stature? Who of us by worrying can add an inch to ourselves? So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so closes the grass of the field, which today is here and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you a little faith, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The potter has in mind a design and a purpose for every vessel. And he knows you exist. He knows when you go into that prayer closet and the things that you're asking for and the things that you need. He knows that we need food and clothing and, and so forth. And he can help us if we seek the righteousness and his kingdom first. Many people don't seek those things, but they want all these other things. It says we need to seek First, the kingdom and his righteousness. And then these things will be added to you. Your food, your clothing, the answers to your prayers and and whatnot. He has the potter, God. He has a purpose and a pattern for you in your life. 1 Corinthians 7.17 says, But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordained in all the churches. You see, he has a purpose and a plan for us. He has a purpose and a plan for his church here in Monroeville. He wants us to be moldable and flexible so that he can use us in the the world here and our part of the kingdom in the greater Monroeville and Pittsburgh area. Thirdly, we see all God's vessels. We're all made of common clay the clay is powerless to improve its condition Galatians 7 or excuse me Galatians five seventeen says for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish see we're all common We all have the same trials and testings and sins and issues and things that we're battling. And our flesh and spirit are battling each other. You see, God knows this about all of us. And the value is when the clay is in the potter's hand. Galatians 5.18, the next verse there says, But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We need to be led by the Spirit. The message of the Holy Spirit is the Word of God. We need to be led by the Word of God and His teachings, not just what we feel or what we think or what we believe or maybe what society's trying to force feed us and push down our throats. No. We're powerless as clay, we're just common clay there. But in the potter's hand, he can mold us and make us. We all need to pray the prayer of submission. We need to ask Lord, the Lord, take me and break me and mold me and make me into the vessel that is honorable and useful in your hand. Note the wheel and what the wheel does with the clay on there. And as the potter's working with it, it moves at various speeds. Again, depending on how fast he spins it, the spindle and the wheel, it puts pressure upon the potter's hands. And he can make that. And when the pressure is going on it, he can mold it and shape it and get it to do what he wants it to do. The circumstances of life shape us to his desire. The more pressure God puts on us, the more we should yield to him. God has a clear title of dominion over us, more than the potter has over the clay. The potter only gives form, but God gives both both form And also matter. And a lot of times we we sit back and we say, oh, why me? Why is this happening? Why are these things taking place in my life? We need to realize that that pressure, the trials and the testings and the temptations and so forth of life, if we overcome them and so forth, they're going to make our character. They're going to make us stronger and make us into a good vessel that God can use. We need to discover the principle of the sovereignty of the potter over that common clay. Clay must not have the wish or the desire or the claim, except that of the potter. Notice Romans nine eighteen through 21 says, Therefore he has mercy on whom he wills, and on whom he wills he hardens. You will say to me then... Why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay? For the same lump, because we're all common clay, to make one vessel of honor and another vessel of dishonor. There's wisdom of us yielding to the potter. And what he's doing to us on the wheel because we're just common clay. God made us clay. And we're clay in his hands. You see, we're foolish to go and question God and say, why are you doing this, that, or the other in my life? He's doing various things in our lives, again, to get us to grow, to get us to mature, to help us to be a perfect vessel. One that can be used in an art gallery and and display. And he can say, look what I can do with that common person. You know, many of us are weak and we have our failings and our shortcomings. But he can take us and use the weaknesses of who we are to be able to teach and to preach. And to be able to advance his cause here on this earth. You know, there's foolishness of us to be striving against the maker and rebelling and and withstanding who he is. Isaiah 45 9 and 10 says, Woe to him who strives with his maker. Let the pot sheared strive with the pot sheared of the earth. Shall the clay say to him who formed it, What are you making? Or shall our your handiwork say, He has no hands? Woe to him who says to his father, What are you begetting? Or up to the woman, why have you brought me forth? <laughs> well, mom and dad got together and that's how you came. How can we argue with the mom and say, why'd you do that? and Make me, what are you going to do, right Fred? I mean, it happened, you're here. But don't waste the time that you're here. Don't just use all of this time for me 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 for Dave Dave Dave. Plan and prepare, get ready for the future, get ready for judgment, get ready for eternity with God in heaven. And allow him to mold you and make you into a vessel that's right and don't go striving with God and saying, "Why'd you make me? Why'd you have my mom bring me here?" We should be conformable to God's will lest he must work us over again. One turn of the wheel alters the shape of the clay and makes it a a vessel of honor or it can unmake it and then make it again. Why? Because God's God. He's the creator. He's the one who's in control. God has a sovereignty over us. For us to dispute that is as foolish as the clay arguing with the potter as it's there on the wheel spinning and he's molding it and shaping it. We need to discover the purpose of the potter. God does have a purpose for each of us, it differs with each and every one of us. Not everyone is a preacher or a teacher. Each differs. Each preacher differs from every other preacher. If every preacher was the same, how boring would that be? I'm glad I preach and teach the way I do. I'm glad Covey preaches and teaches the way that he does. That gives you all variety. You see, you get to hear different ways that a text or a scripture can be presented and brought You see, we should want that variety and that difference and that style. It's good as long as we're both preaching God's word and the same gospel message and the same plan of salvation that we need to believe and repent and confess and be baptized and live a faithful life until the end. Not everybody's an elder, not everybody's a deacon, not everybody's a teacher. Not everybody's a servant, not everybody's a giver, not everybody's a helper, not everybody is a planner, not everybody is a singer or a musician. Not everybody's that prayer warrior or that encourager or on and on and on and on. You see, God has a purpose for each one of us in the church. If we all did the same thing, where would we be? We need all these different things and God can mold us and shape us and make us. Why? So that we have a variety and we can accomplish great things for the Lord. We will not be beautiful or useful on our own. God, the all-wise creator, must make us into a magnificent, useful piece for his purpose. The potter, is wise the clay's just ignorant to the potter's plan he knows what the purpose is even if we don't know God is not done with any of us yet until we pass from this life Some may refuse to be moldable some may be rebellious some may be stiff-necked and say I'm not going to do that well then you're going to be in trouble when you stand before God someday. God has to determine his reactions by our reactions to his molding. Are we gonna listen to his word and do it? Or are we gonna reject it? You know, why would any of us wanna be a second? Or why would any of us wanna be a blem? I remember when we lived down in Trafford and tires were expensive and John Martin would take me to, different places, and and I'm like, why is this Tagger Paul tire this amount of money, but right down the road, this one's this amount? He goes, why get blems? Nothing wrong with the tire, but look on the white raised letter here. It's a little bit off. That's all that's wrong with it, but why do you want to be a little bit off? Wouldn't you rather be the perfect tire over here? But I couldn't afford the perfect tire and they lasted just as long. But we want to be the perfect thing. We want to be that showpiece, not the blem. A great sovereign, he considers his people his church. God considers us and what his church needs and he molds us to meet his wishes and desires. The more complicated the vessel, And the more pressure that's applied to the vessel and the object being made will be able to help it be that art piece, the best, strongest, most unique piece. God's purpose is not seen, and again, until it's done. Remember Joseph's brothers after Jacob died, and they came to him and they said, oh, dad's gone are you going to kill us now? Are you going to do like we did to you? And he said, no, you did bad things to me and you meant it for bad, but I'm not going to do that. Why? Because God meant it for good. Genesis 50 verse 20. You see, God meant it for good to save Jacob's lineage and the 12 tribes of Israel and their children. You see, and God can mean things for good for us if we allow him to mold us and to make us. Again, we may say, why me? But Romans 8, 28 says, all things, all things work together for good to those who love God. So allow the potter to have his way with you until he has finished making you. Discover the person of the potter. If the principle and the purpose that we've talked about scares you a little bit, well, you need to know the person. You need to know God. You need to know Jesus. You need not fear to submit to him. Why? Because he loves you and he wants to give you life. And he's light, and he's holy, and he's just, and he's kind, and he's merciful. You see, it's nail-scarred hands. These loving, holy, precious hands are what's fashioning you for what's best for you. As you're that common clay on that wheel being spun. Discover the persistence of the potter. The potter can turn the unyielding clay and still make it a thing of beauty or a thing of utility. It is only the the hardened, broken vessels that are cast out. Isaiah chapter 30 verses 12 through 14 say, Therefore thus says the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perversity and rely on them. Therefore, this iniquity shall be to you like a breach, ready to fall. A bulge in the wall that's ready to bust out. Whose breaking will come suddenly, in an instance. And he shall break it like the breaking Of the potter's vessel. Which is broken in pieces. He shall not spare. So there shall not be found. Among its fragments. A shard. To take fire from the hearth. Or to take water. From the cistern. God works with us. As long as we're moldable. If the potter's vessel is marred for one use, it can still be used for another use. It can still be remade. God's people can be beautiful ornaments, useful vessels, but now if they're not moldable, then they're going to become waste. Waste. Remember, the potter's field had been purchased with blood. The marred vessels can be made again. He bought it so that he can remake you and me. Fourthly, the supreme passion of the divine potter is the perfection of the vessel. God sees the beginning from the end. Therefore, he breaks us and makes us into the best vessel that he can make. He wants the vessel to look like the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 28 through 29 says, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God, not us, runs the potter's wheel. He's shaping us. He's molding us. He's making us. Jeremiah, go down to the potter's field. I have a word to tell you. The songwriter says it like this Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting, yielded and still. In conclusion, if you submit to the persistent potter, allow the principle of God's sovereignty in your life, you will be made useful to God and even to men who you can teach and preach and evangelize. You know, the same sun that melts wax, it also hardens clay. So we need to remain moldable, flexible, so that God can make us into what he wants us to be. How about you today? Will you, the sinner, learn that God is the potter and can mold us and change us from being a sinner to being a saint? If you want to become a vessel of honor and be useful to God, then won't you become a Christian today? The men are going to come forward and we're going to get ready to sing our hymn of invitation. And will you accept Christ's sacrifice for you on Calvary's cross? And the debt that he paid for you, if you would accept that payment that he's made for your sins. It's easy to become a Christian. Scriptures tell us we need to believe. We need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son, of the living God then we need to confess that, not only at the time of our conversion, but then every day while we live until Christ returns. And as Acts 2.38 says, we need to also repent and be immersed for the forgiveness of our sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's when you become a Christian. That's when you need to start living a godly life. And You need to live a faithful life until the end.